Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Little Atoms, a radio show about ideas and culture. With me, Neil Denny. On today's show, Eon Lee... On her new collection of stories, Wednesday's Child. Ian Lee is the author of nine books of fiction and two books of non-fiction, including The Book of Goose and Where Reasons End. Her work has appeared in The New Yorker, The New York Review of Books and elsewhere. Her accolades include the Guardian First Book Award, the Sunday Times Short Story Award, Wyndham Campbell Prize, a MacArthur Foundation Fellowship, a Guggenheim Fellowship, the Penn Jean Stein Award, the Penn Faulkner Award, and many others. She's director of the program in creative writing at Princeton University. And today we're going to be talking about Eon's latest collection of stories, Wednesday's Child. Eon, welcome back to Little Atoms. Thank you so much for having me. We talked about uh, the Book of Goose, and one of the things you said in that interview was that for you in writing, Death is not the end of a story, it's the beginning of a story in relation to that novel. And I was thinking about that reading this collection of stories because, I mean, obviously you've experienced some significant losses in your own life, but many of these stories seem to touch on that theme as well. So I guess tell us, first of all, how you would describe this collection. Ah, that's a, actually, that's a very difficult question because I know how other people describe the collection and people in general would call this collection, you know, stories about losses or grief or along the same line. I don't, myself, I don't look at the collection that way. As you said, you know, we talk about death is always the beginning of the story. There are other things in life that accompany death. And I feel this is a collection just looking at life from a slightly different angle than possibly most people. As you mentioned, you know, I experienced things in my own life. So I'm just sort of, I have shifted my angle through all these years, just looking at life again. I think I wouldn't call it a collection about grief. I would call it a collection to take a second look at life. The stories were written over a period of about 14 years. So tell us something about how this collection came together. Yes. So, you know, this is one of those collections that I would say it's not written, it's accumulated. So I have always been an avid short story writer. And anytime I 
working on a project, whether it's a novel or a nonfiction book, I'm simultaneously writing short stories. So my last collection came out in 2010. So it's been a while. And over these, you know, longer than a decade of time, I've written about 30, 35 stories, all published. But I think there there is just a little too much for a collection. So when we decided to put the collection out, I really look at all the stories published during this period and sort of just picked 10 short stories and one novella, which comes in three parts. I picked these 11 pieces as the best work that represents these 14 years. I want to go through a few of the stories in more detail. Um, The first one being the title story, Wednesday's Child, which is a woman traveling through Europe, through the Netherlands and Belgium after the death, the unexpected death of her daughter. Tell us something about where this story comes from. Well, you know, many of my stories, I, I think the way I write stories, I know some writers I admire, they can sit down and write a short story. I can't. Many of my stories, I start them and six months later, I would come back and I still have one page. And this is one of those stories that I think I started without knowing where it went. I started with the woman going to Europe during the pandemic. And so it just took me a while to think about what the story is. And the story, you know, as you said, there was a, when the story started, the daughter already died. But then I realized actually it's a story about birds more than death, which took me to the end of the writing of the story. A baby is going to be born on this day, which is Wednesday. So this is going to be a Wednesday's child. And I think, you know, I've, I've been writing stories for 20, over 20 years. So now writing itself sort of actually takes longer, but without a definite shape or direction I just follow my thoughts trusting I think all these thoughts will come together into a story there's a a book that's mentioned in this story or a trilogy that's called the notebook trilogy um by Agatha Christophe which the uh, the protagonist has got her daughter to read and and it's seemingly um at a point where it's not really an appropriate novel for her a daughter to have read tell us something about this trilogy well the trilogy you know, I myself encountered a trilogy later in my career. I went to Moscow for a visit and I thought I wanted to, you know, on the trip to Moscow, I wanted to read someone from, you know, previous, like a former East European communist country. So that's how I got into this notebook trilogy. It was superb and very upsetting set of novels that I never forgot. And I think it was fitting that this narrator of the story would share the novels with her daughter and at some point you know the daughter died and she said at least she the daughter knew the world was not a you know sugar-coated place it's as bleak as Agatha Christoph's novel so you know I think partly I think when we write and especially when I write I always like to imagine a conversation with other work. And in this case, in this story, I think the Notebook Trilogy is a very important part of that conversation. 
In the next story, we see a woman, Auntie May, who was a a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine back home in China, has come to the US and is now working as something called a first month nanny. So she's employed by new parents to help out with the mother strictly for only the first month of a baby's life. And she's working when we meet her in the story for a young woman seemingly unhappily married to a much older man who's who's traveled away. Yeah, tell us something about this story. Well, you know, again, that's it's one of those stories that oftentimes my story starts somewhere with something that I did not understand. I think was this story was a piece of news I read in the newspaper about, you know, it turned out those two women became Auntie May's mother and grandmother, mostly the grandmother's story. In China, there was a woman who sort of left her marriage, left her young child for another man and spent the next 40 years living in the same village with the other man hiding in the man's you know, attic. So nobody knew where she was until late in her life, her real husband, her legal husband was going to die. And she came back to take care of the dying husband. It was a very bizarre story I read in the newspaper. It didn't make sense. Nothing made sense in that story. I, I think, you know, a storyteller or a fiction writer's instinct is if nothing makes sense, you have to make sense out of it. So so I really started the story, in this case, with the backstory. I, I thought a lot about the grandmother and the mother. And then, you know, Auntie May would be the third generation of women in that family. And then the story became the third generation, you know, became Auntie May's story. Yeah, so, so I, I think in a way, story always start somewhere but that usually the story are not about that somewhere it's about elsewhere a lot of the stories in the book feature somebody who's in some sort of marriage to which may be an arranged marriage or some sort of marriage of convenience or visa marriage in various states of unhappiness right you know it's funny because i wouldn't think that i wouldn't notice that you know unhappy marriages more i think Maybe I, I just never thought about the marriages as unhappy marriages, but you're right. There's certain level of unhappiness in these marriages. But I think in a way, I think to me, more interesting is even in an unhappy marriage, there's a lot of caretaking going on. And if you see these women, their mothers, grandmothers, or nannies, or you know, babysitters, or caretakers of old people, and they all have some sort of marriage that is not particularly in you know, a nourishing or supportive but in the end they are still taking care of other people and i think maybe that caretaking role with or without a good marriage is important it is sort of a theme that i think a lot about the next one i wanted to talk about is uh, hello goodbye which it features two old friend starts with a little scene in their past and revisits them about 20 years later. Um, two old friends, again, they've in the past, they have travelled to Europe. Um, but tell us something about what this story tells us about their friendship. Right. So, you know, friendship is oftentimes a centre of my stories for fiction. And, you know, you can write a friendship about the friendship, when a friendship happens, say these friends, when they were 
young, you know, when they were college students together, when they traveled the world as young women. I am more interested in how friendship is sustained or not sustained by time, by change of life, you know, by marriage, divorce, you know, in these characters' lives. And also just by, I, I, I like to think a story is not about one moment. It's always about multiple moments collapsed in time. So I, I think I'm also interested in writing about these young women being middle-aged, sort of looking back, understanding a little more. Because when they were young, they thought they knew how the world worked. They thought that they figured out the world. But what they were not having at the time, what they did not have at the time was experience. So after 25 years of experience, I wanted them to look at their young life again and sort of just reassess everything in their life. So so that's that's the story. You know, really, it's about two moments, a younger moment and a current moment. And this is the, the second story I've mentioned where the protagonists have traveled to Europe. Mm-hmm. A number of the stories feature people traveling somewhere, be it, I mean, obviously, a, a lot of them have, have protagonists that have traveled from China to the US at some point in their lives as emigres. But there are stories where, you know, people are going back to China or, again, traveling to Europe. There's a story which we'll get to later, particularly where the protagonist is traveling slowly across um, across North America. Is the looking at these stories via a journey important to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I think if you look at my earlier work, they tended to be more claustrophobic, set in China, for instance, set in a small village or set in a, you know, local town, regional city, because the world used to be less open, at least for my characters, for Chinese characters, Chinese American, and also just for in general, I think the world, because of transportation, because of technology, the world is becoming smaller in a way, more connected, but in another way, more isolated and more removed. You know, the characters are removed from, more removed from each other. So I am aware that this collection, you know, comparing, comparing this collection to my previous stories, this is more a worldly traveling book because the characters go to places and then they would have most times they have the realization that you can cross a border, you can go to another country, you can go to another continent, but you are still yourself and your problems are still unresolved. So that's the kind of setup for possibly most of the stories here. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more 
and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Little Atoms. I'm Neil Denny. Today I'm talking to Eon Lee. We're talking about her latest story collection, Wednesday's Child. And Eon, the, the next story I want to talk about called A Small Flame hops back to exactly what you were saying about traveling and how wherever you travel, your problems follow you with you. A woman, Bella, who is on a trip back from the US, back to her homeland of China, she originally came from a, I guess, a relatively influential family in China and went to America initially against her family's wishes. Um, she's she's a really a really sort of vivid character in this story, and, and I think like maybe somewhat unlikable. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us something about where Bella came from. Well, Bella came actually the very original seed came from a young woman I met in college and who came from an influential family who was extremely beautiful and brilliant, you know, smart and talented. And so her story was, you know, she was adopted by this influential family, but before her, there was another girl. And it turned out the other girl was deaf and mute. You know, in the old days, they called kids deaf and mute. So the family returned that baby to the countryside and re-adopted another girl who was as equally brilliant and pretty and, you know, appealing. So that was the seed of the story. Just to think of a child knowing herself being the replacement of an imperfect product, you know, in that setting, the first baby didn't work out. So, so that's the original seed of that story. And again, I'm never interested in writing that moment, but I'm interested in writing the moment later, 30 years later, when Bella is a young woman still living with this history of being an imperfect product and how she would carry herself and, you know, in life. So, you know, I, I, I got it that she's a very prickly character, right? She's not the most, you know, endearing, charming woman we would meet in any way, in any world or in any story. But but she's, you know, she has her own things. She thinks about these things. And I think it's important to think about, for me to write, to find out what she wants and what aches her. Can we talk about the um, the novella, Such a Common Life? It occurs to me, I said earlier in the interview, that Auntie May from A Sheltered Woman was formerly a um, doctor of um, Chinese medicine, but actually it's Ida 
Yeah, it's a high um, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. Apologies for that. Yeah. Um, in this story, um, now like she's an emigrated to the US and is now a um a home nurse taking care of Dr. Ditmus, who is um an elderly scientist in her eighties, um, having had a, a very formally like impressive and active life, she is now, you know, somewhat more helpless in her late eighties. Um, tell us something about this story. Oh, this story, you know. <laughs> Again, I, I, I think it, now we talk for 20 minutes, there's a pattern. It's always about something that happens now versus something that happened in the past. So I, I did have the idea of writing about friendship between two very old women. You know, at least one of them is very old in her 80s. The other is older, you know, in her 60s, late 60s. We read about friendship among young people or sometimes, you know, middle-aged people. But I'm particularly in this set of stories or novella, I'm interested in friendship between old people who have met each other when they are already old. So, so in a way, they have their whole lives. Both women have their whole lives behind them and how they make friends, how they talk to each other and how they find out each other's secrets or desires or problems. You know, I, I think that's that's part of you know what I was interested in writing the story. And the other part is, I mean, even in my head, both women are just very funny. They talk in a very funny way. And it doesn't help when they meet in this life, in this such common life. When they meet in this life, their conversation is always a little bit off. The like, they're not in the same tune, but they're a little off. The pitch is a little off with each other, but they're always very funny. So I I had a great, just a great time writing about their dialogues and just being made laugh out loud by those two characters. The story alone, the protagonist of this story is when she was a girl, she was part of uh, a suicide pact with five friends and as she's the um the, the protagonist of this story, we can we can understand that um she survived that suicide pact. However, this has clouded her life. It's haunted her life. Tell us where this story came from. That was possibly one of the earlier stories in the collection. So it was written a long time ago. Again, I think it came from newspaper stories about in China, I think in the local, very small village, six girls had a suicidal pact and five of them died. One of them lived. You know, when you, when you read something from the newspaper like that, you just never let it go. You always think about that girl, living girl, and you think about the other five girls. So so I wrote the story sort of just indirect thinking or contemplating about that piece of news. I mentioned that there's a number of stories that are about somebody dealing with a loss. The very first story, um, the title story, Wednesday's Child, the protagonist has lost her daughter. There's a, a story, Let Mothers Doubt, where the uh, protagonist is is traveling to sort of deal with the uh, the death of her brother. And then there are two stories where our protagonists are dealing with the death of a of a young son. The first one of these, when we were happy, we had other names. Our protagonist has lost her son, and we find her basically making long lists in an Excel spreadsheet of people that she has known that have died and try to weigh that up against the amount of people she knows that are still alive. 
Right. So, you know, I, I think anytime you lost a child, two simultaneous thoughts or two things, whether people would say that to you or would not say that to you, one is you're not the only person who has lost a child. Two is you will never survive that death. So both are, you know, quite extreme and sensible. But I, I, I think I think that's, you know, what you, you you would usually face when you lose a child. You you hear these thoughts said to you a lot or not a lot, you know, expressed in all sorts of ways. But I, I think in this story I just want I want the character, I want the narrator or the, the protagonist to take that really to study, to scrutinize that, you know, you are not the only person who has experienced a tragic death. And to understand that statement, I think she needs to think about all the people she has met in life and who have died and how they died and, you know, what kind of stories they have left, what kind of mysteries, what kind of questions. And that's, you know, that's sort of where the story started. And as I said, there's a, there's two stories in the book that deal with the protagonist losing their young son, um, something which you've experienced yourself, and you just spoke about that last story um, mm-hmm. in relation to that. And the final story that I wanted to talk about, All Would Be Well, is titled Coming From The, um, the Saying of Julian of Norwich. Mm-hmm. Um, this story is about the same subject matter, but it's told in the first person, so it feels even more... It's the only story in the book, I think, that's um, that's in the first person. It's a story about a, a protagonist um, grieving for her lost son and, and becoming sort of slightly obsessed with their, their hair salon, with their, the hairdresser at her salon, and it tells stories. So tell us something about this story. Well, yeah, I think, you know, it, it's interesting because you mentioned, you said this is the only story that was written in first person i actually forgot i knew it was in first person but i forgot it was the only one that i think you know i, I in a way i it also the, the the that's one story the narrator the first person narrator is a writer is a professor of writing is living through this life that i was very familiar with i think in a way you know i'm, I'm not a first person narrator kind of writer Partly, I just never really feel I can settle into that first-person voice. I mean, it has changed a little. I know Book of Goose is written in first person. So I think with this story, I just thought, you know, yeah, I just I'm just going to use first person to explore the one thing that is very pertinent to my life. I think, sorry, if you can hear, that's my dog. Uh, I think I just... You know, I, I think when I was writing that story, I just wanted to write in that voice that was very close to me, ex- just exploring something that is very important for my life. And that's how the story was written. So I've been talking to Eon Lee. We've been talking about her latest collection of stories, Wednesday's Child, which is out now in the UK from 40 State. Eon, thank you so much for taking the time to share it with me. Thank you so very much. This episode of Little Atoms was produced, presented and edited by me, Neil Denny. Little Atoms is hosted by Acast and published by 89up. The show is broadcast on Mondays and Saturdays on Resonance 104.4 FM. Thanks for listening.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.